Welcome to Jim Lang's Retire Secure Podcast, where smart money talks. Throughout his career, Jim Lang has made it a priority to provide his clients, readers, and friends with useful, cutting-edge information, as well as peer-reviewed financial and tax planning strategies, so that they can make the most educated decisions and really get the most out of what they've got. We hope you enjoy the following special read broadcast from the Lang Vault. Please stay with us until the end so you don't miss more information on how we can help you protect your wealth and ensure your family's financial security for the next generation. And now, Jim Lang. I got the call. It was 2 a.m. Tax season was about to start, and this is in 1998, and my office was literally on fire. So I drive to the office, I watch the flames. <clears throat> I asked the uh, property manager who happened to be there, hey, do you have any other space? We have tax season. Anyway, to make a long story short, I did find some temporary space. Uh, we were totally prepared. We had backups, um, backups to backups, and they worked perfectly. So we were able to uh, get into business as quick as possible. Um, or the wills and everything else back then. Now we have too many wills to store on on site, but back then we had we all our wills were actually f- uh, stored in fireproof drawers. I can now tell people we have tested fireproof doors. Um, it was a pretty miserable year, and you know I didn't get reimbursed for all the expenses that I had until the following year. But the preparation that I had made. Uh, both in terms of the amount of insurance, the type of insurance, the computer backup, um, having the people have the ability. Now, of course, it's much more common to work from home. Uh, back then, it was not. But the point is, bad things do happen, and you do want to be prepared. And I did have a year when I basically had, uh, the, let's call it the normal or even less than normal amount of revenue and enormous expenses that were not reimbursed until the following year. So why do I tell you that? Because you have a specialty situation and it is best to be prepared. One of the most important themes for professors is that very likely, subject to exception, most of your money is likely in TIAA, CREF, IRAs, 401As, 403Bs, SEPs, KEOs, retirement plans. That's what all these plans have in common. You put money in or a university put money in on your behalf. You didn't have to pay tax on that contribution. The money grew income tax deferred. That is someday you'll have to pay tax on it. But in the meantime, you got the advantage of the deduction or not having to put the money money in and you had that wonderful tax deferral. But uh, at some point, um, whether it's at age 72 when you have mandatory distribution um, or even potentially after you die, unless that money is going to charity, you will have to pay, you or your family members will have to pay income taxes on that money. And with the newer higher rates and the jobs tax, the jobs cut, no, I'm sorry, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 sunset provisions that we're going to talk about uh, is just going to be brutal. So this is one of the, the big things that professors do have to face. Um, I am not able to move the 
uh, screen. Eric, you can maybe help help me with that. Um, the SECURE Act, again, is going to, and we're going to talk about that mainly tomorrow, but um, the SECURE Act is making this problem much worse because it's a massive income tax acceleration on your money. Um, so one of the themes that we will talk about is going from the taxable environment, again, from the IRA, the 401k, the 403b, the SEP, the KEO, the TIAA in particular, the CREF, all of which, and unless it's a Roth now, that's what I would call a taxable asset. And we're going to talk about transferring that to tax-free. So this is going to be critical for both income tax planning and estate planning, and it applies particularly to professors who tend to have most of their money in their retirement plan uh, towards the ends of their career or after they retire. Uh, it is not unusual at all for us to meet professors, and if you find out their history, um, they went into academia, not necessarily for the money, but for the love of, of scholarship and their subject matter. Uh, they didn't necessarily start with great salaries. Uh, many got married, had children, had the expenses of the mortgage and the car payments and the braces, etc. And it was pretty hard to save money, but most are prudent. They put money into the retirement plan. The university had some type of match. So the retirement plans grew and grew and grew while their outside savings didn't necessarily. So towards the end of their career and even after they're retired, they tend to have significant retirement plan accumulations compared to money outside their retirement plan. And we're going to be talking about that. And one of the problems with having all this money that has not yet been taxed with the looming tax increases just on the horizon in 2026, and we'll be more specific about that, um, is a, we are, and then the massive SECURE Act, which is just gonna drastically accelerate taxes on that untaxed money. We're gonna be looking at ways of trying to go from the taxable to the tax-free world. And uh, the starting point from taxable to tax-free is a series of Roth IRA or Roth 403B uh, conversions. Um, the SECURE Act, and there's some exceptions, thank goodness, but the SECURE Act is basically saying at your death, the money in your retirement plan will be subject to income taxes, not over the life of the beneficiary, which is the old law before 2020, but within 10 years of your death. So just very simplistically, you have a million dollars in one of these retirement plans, your heirs are going to have to pay taxes on $10 million plus the growth within 10 years of your death, where let's say your heirs were your kids, under the old laws, it might have been over 40 years. And that is just an enormous, enormous difference. The exceptions are if your spouse is the beneficiary, uh, if you have a disabled or chronically ill beneficiary, and there's special definitions of disabled and chronically ill, which by the way, are not so easy to meet. Um, young children in school, children, not grandchildren, um, or if your beneficiary is less than 10 years younger than you, which might be an unmarried partner, um, or it might be a sibling. So you might think, well, gee, what, what can really the difference between one law after I die be between the old law and the new law? And the chart that you should be seeing in front of you 
basically shows that if the if you dine with the old law or if you meet one of the exceptions, um, not your spouse in this case, uh, the solid line shows the trajectory of your beneficiary over their lifetime, and it shows that that beneficiary will still have $2 million towards the end of their lifetime. But if um, you die, well, after 2020, obviously, uh, which is <laughs> all of us, um, then your beneficiary, again, unless they meet one of the exceptions, uh, will have zero. So the estate planning implications of the SECURE Act is absolutely horrendous for professors. And frankly, as an estate attorney who is trying to preserve wealth for at least one generation for professors, uh, this SECURE Act is just pure misery. So um, we're going to be talking about what some of the things that we can do for estate planning uh, tomorrow. But we're gonna, one of the theme, themes for today is both how you can get to the tax-free environment uh, with Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions uh, and a few other uh, techniques. And we'll also talk about Social Security. Now, I mentioned the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, um, which at the time was pretty welcome because it dramatically cut income taxes uh, and it dramatically increased the exclusion or the amount that you didn't have to pay for federal transfer or federal estate tax purposes. So this was great, but the problem is, in order to get this passed uh, due to um, legislative restraints, it had to be temporary. So when it, does the temporary period end? In 2026. So let's assume for discussion's sake that Congress doesn't pass anything, all right? With all the stuff they're talking about, let's assume that they don't pass a darn thing. Well, boy, we have some tremendous tax increases in 2026. How big? Let's take a look at the chart. So if we go to what is now the top of the 24% bracket, uh, which is $340,000, you might be thinking, well, gee, I, I'm not making $300,000. Why is that relevant? Well, because we're going to be talking about Roth IRA conversions when that number becomes very relevant. Now, let's say it's 2026 and the rates from 2017 plus inflation, to be fair, um, uh, kick in, but anyway, that 24% will be taxed at 33%. So we're headed for some major, major tax increases. And one of the things that I want to do today is talk about how you can protect yourself and your family from those tax increases. And one of them is Roth IRAs and Roth 403B uh, conversions. And I would tell you, and I've been, I've been on the cutting edge of Roth IRA conversions since they came out in 1998. Um, they made sense even if tax rates were steady, and they made sense before the SECURE Act. Now they make even more sense. Uh, it's, uh, professors are kind of almost sitting ducks for these you know, massive in tax increases, um, both on the estate and more likely on the income tax basis. Um, so before, if somebody was still working, they, they might have been in a higher bracket. They might not have been a great candidate for Roth conversion. Now, they very well might be. Uh, professors who were retired and they were getting their minimum required distribution and their Social Security, 
that might have pushed them into a tax bracket that it didn't make sense to do Roth conversions. Well, now they very well might be very good candidates for Roth IRA and Roth 403B conversions. And I would say that so much energy is dedicated to investment choices and particular stocks and buy IBM and sell AT&T and this mutual fund and that mutual fund. And I'm not saying that 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 stuff isn't important, but A, it's unpredictable. B, we don't have control of the market. And C, sometimes the magnitude of the difference is not nearly as important as the magnitude of, for example, a well-defined Roth IRA long-term conversion plan where we can quantify, uh, you know, almost regardless of what the market does, unless it just goes down forever, um, what the advantages of a series of Roth IRA and Roth 403B conversions can do for you and your family. So I mentioned that we had that fire and that I had a very low income that year because I had all these extra expenses of replacing furniture, computers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't until the following year that I got most of the reimbursement from the insurance company. So, and, and by the way, back then you weren't even allowed to make a Roth IRA conversion unless your income's less than $100,000. My income was typically more than $100,000. But this year, back in 1998, my income was the lowest that it ever was, probably since I've had my business, and a reasonable projection that would be the lowest tax bracket for the rest of my life. And that was the first year that you were allowed to do Roth IRA conversions. And I said to my wife, gee, I think we ought to convert everything that we had into a Roth. And at the time, between the two of us, um, we had... $249,000 in IRA 401k uh, retirement plan dollars. And that meant paying income taxes on $249,000. And my wife does not like to pay income taxes. And she is a very bright cookie. She has a master's degree in in electrical electrical engineering from Carnegie Mellon. And she said, hey, I want to see proof. Um, You know, you're a numbers guy. Let's do the projections. And by the way, she's probably more of a numbers person, especially at a higher level than I am. But anyway, we developed our own spreadsheet because they didn't have any of the Roth software that they have today. And we tested, uh, it was a very manual process, where we were likely to be if we didn't make a conversion, or if we made half the conversion, or we did a number of variations, or if we actually did the full amount. And guess what? Doing the full amount uh, gave us by far the best long-term results. As a result of even just converting $249,000 back in 1998, our family will be um, even more than a million dollars better off. And uh, that was that was you know that's obviously a big thing. I think back on that fire we. You know, we were above a pizza shop in those days. So, um, you know, more humble beginnings. Uh, the fire turned out was an electrical fire uh, caused by the uh, electricity needed to heat the, the pizza ovens. And one additional lesson that you might want to pick up is never, ever, ever 
put your office above a pizza shop, but that's neither here nor there. So anyway, I was pretty excited about uh, what we had discovered about Roth IRA conversions. And I'm one of these, I'm a proselytizer, no, not for religion, you're safe there. Um, but I was a proselytizer for different techniques uh, way back when. And now with the Roth conversion, I was, I was just all over this. I wanted to tell the whole world. So what do you do if you have an idea and you want validation for that idea? Well, in academia or in medicine, what you do is you um, submit a proposal to a peer-reviewed journal, for example, the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, you submit your idea, you do your research, you, you write your paper, you submit it to them. Then they have a bunch of peer reviewers. I'm sure you're all aware of the peer review process. In the tax world, uh, that journal is called um, the tax advisor, and you you have to get permission or to you, you reserve a topic. I reserve the Roth IRA conversion topic. Um, did the analysis, and you not only have to submit the article, but you have to submit all the um, accompanying spreadsheets, which again, back then were in Excel. Um, it was accepted, it was published at one article of the year in 1998. And that was kind of the beginning of my Roth story. I did a dedicated book on Roth conversions. Um, I included it in three uh, bestsellers of Retire Secure, the most recent being Retire Secure for Professors. Um, and we were featured in Forbes. We had 175,000 hits. Um, I had a radio show at the time, and I wasn't the only guy who I crossed. You know, the top IRA experts in the field, and I think I had most or all of them on my show, uh, Ed Slott, Bob Keeper, Natalie Show, Natalie Show, uh, many more. They were, there's no such thing as a Roth, as an IRA expert who doesn't support some Roth conversions at some point for most people. So again, we took the methodology that we used to calculate Roth IRA conversions for me and my family, and we started applying it, and, and for the peer review article, we started applying it to people's situation, and we were finding enormous differences between them doing a series of Roth conversions and doing nothing. Um, and we kept improving that process. Uh, we have some serious number crunching CPAs who have taken it to a whole new level. Today, they have all this wonderful software that we didn't have involved. But I would say even with all the wonderful software, it is more important to, to have the operator who is, um, let's say, running the software. It's not like, you know, you just put in a bunch of variables, hit maximize and outcome the answer. It's a little bit more like, for you math folks, interpolation. Let's try this, let's try that. Let's try no Roth conversion. Let's go up to the 22% bracket. Let's go up to the 24% bracket. Let's go up to the amount that it will uh, kick in Medicare Part B uh, additional premiums, et cetera, et cetera. And, we, and then we could test different amounts and, and do it for multiple years. So it becomes really much more scientific uh, and much more verifiable. And it's not a, a matter of gut instinct. It's frankly a matter of math. So let's talk a little bit about the essence of what a Roth IRA, and it could be a Roth 403B or a Roth 401A, but the essence of taking money that you have not yet paid income tax on 
And now you're paying taxes on it before you have to. So already we're talking about a major pain point. And I realize that I have the burden to prove that this is going to be a worthwhile uh, endeavor because nobody wants to write a check to the IRS before they have to, unless they're pretty darn sure that it's going to be a great thing for their family, not a bad thing. So let's just say for discussion sake that you want to let's keep it simple. You want to convert a hundred thousand um, dollars of your, and let's again keep it simple of a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. So you take that hundred thousand dollars, you fill out some appropriate paperwork, and uh, then what happens? The the paperwork will trigger a ten ninety nine that does go to the IRS. So the IRS is expecting to see an extra hundred thousand dollars of income on your tax return, and you have to pay income taxes on that. That $100,000 of additional income will be on top of your existing income. You pay that taxes, preferably for money outside the IRA, and then the resulting asset is a Roth IRA. There is no required minimum distributions for a IRA owner. By the way, there is a required minimum distribution for a Roth 401A or a Roth 403B. So if you do it within your retirement plan at work, uh, after age 72, there are minimum required distributions. But again, for the IRA, the Roth IRA, there's no required minimum distribution for the IRA owner. There's no minimum required distribution for the uh, surviving spouse. Um, after the SECURE Act, whether it's Roth or traditional, if you don't meet the exceptions, that money will have to come out in, um, in the event of the traditional retirement plan. It will be taxable in the event of a Roth, uh, for, well, 403B or IRA, etc. Um, it will still, it will be tax free, but it still has to come out within 10 years of your death. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. If you've discovered the answers to your questions and would like to schedule an appointment with Jim, please call our offices at 1-800-387-1129. That number again is 1-800-387-1129. Or if you would like to attend one of Jim's upcoming webinars, Go to paytaxeslater.com forward slash 2020 webinars. That address again is paytaxeslater.com forward slash 2020 webinars. That's 2020 webinars.